Welcome to the Soul Gym. We are your Soul Gym sisters. I'm Crystal. And I'm Jody. And yes, we're sisters. <laughs> hey, we are so glad you tuned in this week where we tone up flabby thinking and develop mental muscle. For the last uh, several weeks, we have been talking about Philippians 4.8, and we are coming to the conclusion of this series. Uh, but here's the scripture that we've been focusing on. It says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So you see where we're going this week. Uh, we are talking about worthy of praise or praiseworthy, that we are to fix our thoughts on things that are praiseworthy so that we act praiseworthy. So what we're talking about when we use those words is deserving of admiration for having done something <laughs> or acted worthy. And so you can see our flabby thinking this week is really a disease that has penetrated our culture. And it's that of entitlement. You know, you know how it goes. I deserve. It's not my fault. Where's my trophy? I, I just, I mean, what has happened to our culture? It's just absolutely, I mean, mind-boggling to, to watch things playing out. And so you, you, you start to do a little historical dive. And I can't help but believe this is a result of humanism. I mean, the Humanist Manifesto is good without God, um, which places humanity at the center of the universe. And guess what? That is doomed to collapse. I mean, without a God consciousness, I mean, mankind will only seek to self-preserve or promote themselves. So think, think about it. Culture's always been at war with, with, with God and humanity, but there are certain catalytic events or there are certain, you know, moments in history. And you've got to hearken back to the late 1960s and the rise of the self-esteem movement. Feelings now trumped hard work and earning an award was just appalling. Why, why make everyone feel bad about themselves? Because you're good. And you're good. And everyone's good. Everyone's good. <laughs> so there's this really great book. It's called The Me, Me, Me Epidemic, yep. where Amy McCready writes, Children grew up with lavish praise for everything they did becoming praised junkies who learned to demand acknowledgement or rewards for completing mundane or expected tasks. Here's the caveat. Even once they were grown, just unreal what is happening. So what, what's, what's gone on? Instead of embracing courage, uh, we, we, we prefer comfort. We have watched this. Uh, you you know Jody and I have been in education for a lot of years. Um, challenges in life became viewed as negative, and they must be removed before our child gets hurt. Um, but that is impossible. Pain is inevitable. It is a part of life, and no amount of coddling can ever just remove the heartache that comes from this fallen world. 
So it's perseverance that is praiseworthy and not participation trophies. Like we said, Jody and I, we have watched it uh, for the last 20 years. We have watched a creeping pandemic of overparenting parents really tie the hands of what we're looking at, future generations. Uh, this poison of entitlement has produced people with very weak character. And w- you know what? As a result, um, these these people are poor decision makers. They have a very difficult time solving problems. I guess solving it in the right way. Mm-hmm. They, they might think they're solving the problem. And sadly, we've, we've created weak-willed narcissists. So let's talk about this um, flabby thinking of entitlement that, that really is, we've got to be careful. We're just throwing out a, a warning cry right now. So entitlement means believing oneself to be inherently deserving of privileges or special treatment. This spirit of entitlement really dehumanizes segments of the population deemed not as entitled, unentitled. Um, Take the infamous college admissions cheating scandal right now where it's at least 50 wealthy parents schemed to have their children get into elite colleges and really stole seats from, I guess, um, air quotes, inferior children. I mean, what, what? What is it about privilege? Jody, you were talking about, I think it was Jerry Seville and how he looks at, how we're supposed to look at privilege from a a scriptural standpoint. Well, what I find interesting is, you know, we're opposed to feeling entitled and privileged, but I believe there is in each and every one of us a desire to be noticed to have notoriety, to have privilege, to succeed. So we're not trying to stomp out this need and desire to succeed, but at what cost? And so he, we looked up the word privilege and it says special advantages and rights reserved exclusively for a particular person or a group of persons, especially based on hereditary. And if you are a born-again Christian, the wonderful thing is you are privileged. I think on the deepest parts of us, we are constantly looking for our rights as Christians. We are constantly striving to overcome and to be great. There's something on the inside of us that says there's more. There's more to this life. I can do better. I can be better. And it's in each and every one of us. And I found this scripture that kind of sums it up, this greatness that is welling on the inside of us and what it is that's calling out to this privileged, great life. But when we put God in the sense, not us. Yes. So it's God's way of being great. It's God's way. He does give us rights. He does give us privileges. And it's found in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. Now, there's a few scriptures here, so just listen, listen, please. In the Passion Translation, which is my new favorite. No, no, no. no. There goes goes the King James. King James, be very angry. (laughs) You think so? You'll be mad at me. (laughs) Sorry, King. (laughs) Okay, verse 16 says, And I pray that he would... 
unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Whoa, that's on the inside of us. Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep on the inside of you. And the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Then you will be empowered to discover what every Holy One experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and to accomplish all of this. He, now here it is, this is what we've been called to do, greatness. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. So if you have that rumbling on the inside of you, I need to be noticed. I know there's more. There's greatness. I've got to go get it. And it's a desire in each and every one of us. But as a Christian, God can do it through us. That is so cool. Yeah, entitlement's all about at, at the expense of other people. Yeah. And God God put that. See, the, the people who seek privilege, it, the world's way, I mean, it's, it's in there because we were created in this image of God. They just go about doing it the wrong way. And so we're saying seek the, the greatness that God put in you, and we're going to talk about why it's there in the first place. And so still looking at the world's system of entitlement. And before we think it's just a sin of the rich and famous, this, that, that spirit has so crept into our culture, despite how much money we have. Uh, there's a great book by Dr. John Townsend, and it's called The Entitlement Cure. And he describes this entitlement mindset in four ways. And see if any of them strike you, because I'm like, ah! The first one, an attitude of being special. The second, an attitude of being owed Next, a refusal to accept responsibility. And finally, a denial of one's impact on others. And so we're going to look at each of these real quick. The first one, an attitude of being special. Hmm. Okay, you want to know what's special? Uh, birth. The, the amazing thing that God has done when a baby is born. You want to know what I think is special? Um, overcoming the odds and winning a gold medal. I just think that is amazingly special. Or how about sacrificing a life or limb for the country that you love? I mean, those things are just worthy of praise and, and honor. And so let me tell you a quick story. I will never forget a field day, yes, field day, of which I love, uh, one of the greatest days in school ever. 
a field day. And it was a number of years ago. And it's sunny, and there's this light breeze, and the kids are just jazzed. I mean, it's electric. It's so exciting. The kids have on their, you know, their uh, class shirts, and I mean, you, you can hear whistles, and it's just a great day. And so I go and sit at the uh, finish line at the 50-meter dash, and th- that you know how it, how it goes. That starter gun goes off, and those kids blast out of the starting gates, and and so there I am, you know, seeing who's going to win. And as the, the finishers are crossing the line, all these people run after and they're, they're identifying who's first, second, and third. Oh, no, not. And fourth and fifth <laughs> and sixth and seventh and eighth. I'm like, what is happening? Yes, every single kid got a ribbon. I mean, red I mean, blue, red, white, and it went all the way down to pastel peach. That's an abomination. That is an abomination. Why should every kid get a ribbon? So as, as not to feel bad? I'm telling you, if, if um, gold, silver, and bronze is good enough for the Olympics, it's good enough for field day. And so it, I, that is a... Funny story, but that is the the truth of how we've played this out. Nobody can feel bad, mm-hmm. you know. It's it's ridiculous. And Jody, you were talking. You loved Field Day oh, so much. Boy. You loved Field Day as a kid more than life itself. Greatest day ever. More than Christmas. <laughs> more than Easter. I loved Field Day. But here's the danger of awarding everyone the same. This is how I see it. You have one person who works their butt off to achieve a goal, to get into a certain college, to achieve some level of, of success in sports. So what do they do to do that? They sacrifice, they train, they get up early, they go to bed late, they eat a certain diet, they study, they read. Okay, so after the end of all that, guess what? They make it to the top. They succeed, but this is what's happened. Now you've got another person who doesn't want to do all that. They don't want to study. They don't want to eat right. They don't want to get up early. They don't want to get up late. But when you're mediocre, when you're average, you're looking up at that person who's on top, who's number one, who has made it, who succeeded, and you resent them. What We talked about it last week that this culture wants the most rewards with as little effort as they possibly can give. So everyone is jealous of the ones who have actually put in the time, they've given their blood, sweat, and tears to what it is they want to achieve, and the average person resents it. Well, you know, another scripture, the Bible says that whatsoever a man sows, that is what he'll reap. So when we're Christians and we believe the scripture, we know that whatever we're putting out will come back to us. We also said last week, we don't get out of life what we want. We get out of life who we are, are. who we are. 
So if we're disciplined, if we're people of character and integrity, if we do the right thing, if we play by the rules, we must believe it's going to pay off. But most people don't. They get scared. They get jealous. They get competitive. So they've got to stab people in the back. They've got to lie. They've got to cheat. They've got to steal in order to get what people at the top have achieved. So we don't want to do that. Here is a a funny story of learning this at a very young age. I love this story. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to track and field day. The greatest day of the year at school. I mean, I'm telling you, I lived for it. I I can't even express how important it was to me. Why? I don't know. I love to compete and I loved to run. Both Crystal and I just love to race and run. And so I'm in the fifth grade and it's field day. And, you know, there's always about one, two, three people, you know, that are the fastest in the class and they're going to come in one, two or three. Well, I know I've got some fast friends, but I know I'm the fastest, so I've got this made. I didn't practice, you know. I, I, you, who practices for field? I'm a genetic freak. <laughs> Crystal always beat me, but that's another story. So I didn't. Pra- I assumed I was like, I'm not gonna practice. I, you know, come on, I've got this. So the gun goes off. It's the 50 yard dash. And I see these two girls passing me, and I am in panic mode. I'm in anger mode. 50-yard dash, it's over, boom. And they're two of my best friends. And I'm telling you, I have never disliked someone (laughs) so much in my 10 short years of life than those two girls. They beat me. They came over. They tried to congratulate me, and I was like, get away from me. I hated losing so bad. Well, here's here's the, the point of the story. We moved to another house during this time. We moved a, across the city, and that stuck in my crawl all year long. You know what it did? I felt the sting of defeat. I felt the pain of losing and I wasn't going to lose. So you know what I did? We moved into a house that there was a track, I mean, just a block away from our house. So every night after dinner, I would walk over to that track and field, and I would just run and run and run and stop and sprint and run some more. I can't even tell you until it was dark. I was practicing. I was in sixth grade. I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew if I just kept running, I'd get faster. Well, sure enough, sixth grade field day, greatest day of the year comes up. And who is lightning fast but this girl right here? (laughs) That's right. I beat everyone. I didn't beat the fastest guy in her class, but I beat every girl, took every first place ribbon there was. But I truly believe if I didn't feel the sting of of, of losing, and if, had my parents come up to me and said, oh, they cheated, yeah. they, they got a good start on you, which most parents would have done. Oh, they took off quicker than you. Uh, your shoes, your, you need new shoes. You know, no excuses. But I had determined... That's why it's so important to let kids fail. That is why it's so important to fully embrace when we're just not cutting it. 
say you're not cutting it at the job and your boss comes to you and go, goes, you're not cutting it. You need to step up. What do we naturally do? Uh, How dare you tell me I'm giving it everything I've got. That is the wonderful, beautiful thing about repentance. God talks about it over and over and over in the Bible about changing your heart, repenting, getting right, confessing our sins. That is the only way we will ever fully change, embrace where we're missing it, and and acknowledge and go, I I need to step up here. I'm wrong. And so without it, we're doomed if we don't repent. Yeah, so life is tough. Life is tough, but not everybody deserves a ribbon, and especially one that is pastel. (laughs) That is unacceptable. That is not acceptable. So uh, our distinction, like Jody, you were just saying, this this thing about deserving or, or, you know, I'm so special, when we understand and, and find our uniqueness in the identity of Jesus Christ, that's what's cool is that we were all designed so different um to but but to be create we were created to serve so use your special uh god-given gifts to make the world a better place that's what's going to make each of us special so dr townsend goes on with point number 2 that within this entitlement culture there's this attitude of being owed Everybody owes me something. Let me tell you, I run into people all over the world that believe they're owed something. Just flip on TV, yes. uh, watch watch the news and, and see who's owed. I mean, if the advertising industry has not capitalized on how worthy each of us are as we you know, want to ascend to this, the, the, the throne of I deserve. I deserve. Don't you guys know I deserve a bigger house, yeah. a better car? Yeah. I, I deserve to make more money. No, no, we don't. Um, I, I love this quote by Marion Wright Edelman. Don't feel entitled to anything you didn't sweat and struggle for. It is so true. If we don't work if we don't pay some price nobody owes us anything you know what we deserve hell we deserve hell that's what we deserve and yet we're the ones who are indebted we're indebted to jesus christ who paid the price it's god who deserves our allegiance our praise and jody what do we always talk about is can just kick all of this to the curb gratitude yep Yep. one of the best pieces of advice we have received is expect nothing but be grateful for everything now you can expect from god you can you can believe and we're not saying that but when it comes to people you know i i had a light bulb moment adults yeah your children might need you to feed them a meal (laughs) maybe but but a as adults, you know, you can be married for 20, 30, 40 years and just start assuming that that person is always going to be there. They're always going to do what they did. Say they're the ones who always fill the car with gas and wash the car. The, the danger of what happens is we just assume they're always going to do that. 
or you take care of the kids, you go pick them up from school, you feed them, you bathe them, and the other spouse just assumes, well, they're always going to do that. You know, I had a light bulb moment going, no one has to do anything. And yet, if you assume that, and you expect it, and you think you deserve that, you're you're not being grateful. Right. You know, we need to change it and go, this person, this husband, this wife, this friend, this coworker, whoever's in your life does not have to be there. Oh, yes, they do. No, they don't. I've seen, I've experienced, uh, I, I've been friends with peoples whose spouses after 10, 20, 30 years just up and go, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. And, and you can't stop them. So to, to take people for granted and to not be grateful is really, really dangerous because you're sitting there going, you owe me, you owe me this. You're going to do this for the rest of, of your life. And really that that's a dangerous place to be. You know, I have five kids and, uh, they can get in funks, you know, we all can, but, um, I'm homeschooling right now so they can get real funky. And as they're on a computer all day and they're playing games all day and they're in the house all day and I'm watching moods, you know, just rise and fall a lot of times. And I'm sitting there watching this going, what's happening is all they're thinking about is themselves, you know, more entertainment, more snacks, more video games, more of me, 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 me. And I've noticed if you want to get out of that funk and if you want to get out of this narcissism, the number one thing you need to do is start serving. Start thinking of someone else. Go encourage, go bless, go buy someone a meal and it will snap you out of it so quick. So what I get my kids to do is go work, go do the dishes, Go clean up dog poop. You know, at least their mind is off of themselves. Right. So Dr. Leaf, she kind of explains it really well. She says, the epitome of selfishness is to dismiss the fact that we affect each other. According to Dr. Leaf, we know that, when we study the nature of the mind and how it impacts the brain, we realize that humanity and indeed the world is entangled. We are designed to sympathize with one another, to reach out in love and to care about our neighbor. We all have mirror neurons which enable us to experience what other people are going through. Our brains literally act as a mirror. When we empathize with other people, many different regions of the brain collaborate alongside the tiny powerful mirror neurons allowing us to truly put ourselves in another person's shoes. We have been hardwired to experience powerful compassion for each other. We are designed for relationships, so it would make sense to have brain wiring to support healthy relationships. What she's saying is we were created to help other people. We are physically, we are designed, and when we don't do it, something really goes wrong in our lives. So I just, I love that. We, we have an attitude of being owed, um, it, but really to combat that is it's gratitude. 
and and really appreciating the people in our lives. No, there's hardly a more powerful weapon than gratitude that gets us to focus on what we have yeah. as opposed to what we don't have. So Dr. Townsend's third is a refusal to accept responsibility. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. I didn't do it. It's not my fault. Oh, man, I'm, I'm watching this. And, and again, we were talking about um, in working with kids, there is nothing more praiseworthy. In, in working with kids, when you bust a kid doing something at school and he or she is just pours their heart out and owns their mistake, yep. and that is just, that is so that is so praise, praiseworthy. There's just nothing like that. But w what's been created? Uh, identity politics has created a culture of victimhood. And look around. I mean, victimhood pays. It, it pays financially to be a self-imposed victim. And so each disenfranchised soul that we're watching is somehow rendered powerless against their circumstances. I mean, whether it's the government, uh, their boss, as you were just talking about, their, their cruddy gene pool. I mean, there's an excuse for everything. And the, these, again, self-imposed victims, I mean, if that's what we're going to be, it's easy to justify our behavior, to blame other people, and ultimately to def we defend our motives because we justify them. Here's here's the seduction of victimhood. It, it's it's attention, mm -hmm. and like we were just saying, in out of that attention, it's it can pay off financially. But man, that that is a that's gonna be a dead end at some point because people who prop up their pain as superior, um, certain that we can't understand what they've been mm -hmm. through. Scripture says, and this is just can really pop your bubble. Scripture says that um, there's no trial, there's no temptation that isn't common. I mean, there are eight, what, seven, eight billion people on the planet. And you know what? We're not dismissing what you've been through. It hurts. It's, you've, you've gone through betrayal. But Dr. Phil says there are two different types of victims. Those who throw themselves in front of the bus and get run over and those who are just walking alongside and get run, run over by a bus. Mm -hmm. And so things happen that are, weren't your fault. And, but again, we've always got, how, how are we going to handle it? And so pain is common. I, I've been through a lot of stuff. You guys in the, in the listening audience, you've been through stuff. And so have the other seven or 8 billion people on the planet. And I guarantee you, there have been a lot of people who've been through a lot more than me. Um, but you guys, we've raised decades of overindulgent children for generations who look on college campuses, and I, I know people call them snowflakes, but this is what's happened. You know, we, we I mean, not, not necessarily us, but a few generations ago, self-esteem, self-esteem, self-esteem. As long as we're finding it in ourselves, we're going to be in trouble. But, I mean, these generations, their self-esteem is so fragile that they can't handle any criticism. And they, they go running and screaming to, what are they calling them, safe, safe spaces on campuses? Give me a freaking break. This is crazy. Uh, guess what? Looking at our mistakes and failures is painful. Yep. 
But Jody, you were talking about repentance. You were talking about truth. You know, it's truth that is praiseworthy. Um, making excuses. Ugh. You know, listen, when anytime we're making excuses, other people know. They do. It's so unattractive. It's like you're waving a red flag, like, hello, I'm about to shuck my responsibility, but there's nothing cooler and and more attractive, more praiseworthy, like we were saying, these kids in school that are just, I'm sorry. Yep. I, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So we combat this with living the, the truth, not, not my truth. They might be my experiences, but there's one truth, and it's an absolute truth of Jesus Christ. That just sends me over the edge. And so own it. Own your mistakes. It is very freeing. You know, it it really is. It's freeing to to just own what what we've done. And so um, accept responsibility. And then the final one that Dr. Townsend talks about is there's a denial to believe we have an impact on each other. You know, people will go, well, I, what, I, what I'm doing isn't hurting anyone. Sure it is. It, it absolutely is. I mean, narcissism is, can get so deeply entrenched into culture, into our lives, if we're not careful, that we don't even, I mean, see or even care about what another person's going through. Um, but empathy, Jody, you were just talking about Dr. Carolyn Leaf. We are linked to each other. I mean, she talks about the vibrations and thinking, which is just um, amazing. I mean, think about it. She gives a very simple example of, you know, you're in a room and somebody with a really bad attitude walks in and it affects us. It really does. It affects us. We can feel that. And on the contrary, on the on the flip side of that, when somebody walks in and they're smiling and happy, that affects us positively. I mean, so I don't want to be a narcissist. I, I don't want that anywhere in my life. I want to care about other people. I, I don't want to be so busy, you know, taking a selfie and finding the perfect filter um, and, 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 and watching the likes rack up that I lose sight of the people around me and I'm far more um, interested in the love and admiration, I mean love, the admiration of strangers in, out, out in internet land. And so um, entitlement is selfishness. Jody, read that scripture. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain deceit. Conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each to the interests of others. You know, we just talked about how we affect each other. I noticed at school, um, I mentioned to you, Crystal, how there's such a ripple effect that you can have a parent at home and they wake up and they woke up on the wrong side of the bed. So what do they do? They take it out on their kids and they scream and yell at their kids. And what does that do? It brings the kid down. It makes the kid moody, miserable. So the kid comes to school and they're in a bad mood and they're in a dark place because mom and dad yelled at them. 
And so they take their mood out on their best friend and they're having a bad day. So they start criticizing their best friend and their best friend (laughs) starts having an attitude and the best friend has a rotten attitude all day. So then they're hard to handle in the classroom and they're giving the teacher, you know, a hard time and not listening and acting up. And, and so the teacher gets an attitude the teacher has an attitude, takes it home to her husband. I mean, look at, talk about how we affect each other. And so vice versa, if mom and dad are kind to their child, then the child is thriving and goes to school and, and spreads kindness and love. It's just one way or the other. You are affecting some way, one way or the other. Right. So listen, you guys, the disease and yes, we think it's a disease of entitlement, can ruin relationships, destroys careers, and is eroding our culture. Uh, it, in the whole Carolyn Leaf thing, when she's talking about how we are connected to each other, we were created in God's perfect image. We are designed to show empathy to other people, to care, to use our gifts. Um, it, when, when we're not thinking in the right way, um, our, we just get really distorted. It re- rewires our brain, which is just fascinating. Read anything by Dr. Carolyn Leaf. She's amazing. But as we're closing, Dr. Townsend, who wrote this cool book, suggests a cure to undo the negative effect of entitlement, and he calls it the hard way. And that is exactly what we're talking about. It's the habit of doing what is best rather than what is comfortable to achieve a worthwhile outcome. And so what is best? As we we talked about these four areas, seek out your God-given purpose. Your specialness, your unique gifting is found in your identity in Christ. Um, Nothing gets you out of a funk like being grateful, appreciating the people around you, and and seeing them for who they are. Um, when we eliminate excuses and we grow in empathy, so that we can show empathy, uh, that's how to that's how to do what's best. Doing it the hard way. So this week, your mental muscle. Think about doing, acting, having an attitude that is praiseworthy not expecting that we deserve for something we haven't worked for. Um, So as always, we say, look at one area in your life. See if entitlement has kind of weaved its way into some of your thinking. Because Jody and I were talking about where, where we've seen it, you know, where we believe we've worked so hard that God somehow owes us. And we will talk all the time, you know, God, God works by faith. And so just find, man, get that entitlement spirit out of your life, out of your heart, out of your family, and life is, life is going to be good. And so as always, uh, we so appreciate you being a part of the Soul Gym. We thank you so much for listening. Check out our book on Amazon, Mind Moxie how to help you master what's mastering you. Lots of what we talk about is in there, obviously. Um, We're we're working on a new project, so we'll we'll be sharing that with you shortly. Check out our our website for the book, mymoxielife.com, and subscribe. There's a a free 31-day Devo, and it's all about thinking and strengthening your thinking. 
We love our listeners and we appreciate all of your support, whether that's financial, um, through a, a message that comes through. We, we welcome our new listeners. This is really an exciting endeavor for us. So thank you for being a part. Tell all your friends and we will catch you next week at the Soul Gym where we whip flabby thinking into shape and develop mental muscle. Bye.